Hello and welcome back to the Affinity Collective Action Broadcast. AC, AB, your one-stop shop. <laughs> your one-stop shop for news here, abroad, all over the planet and beyond. And just a bit of banter, shooting the shit. My name's Eleanor. Y'all might know me from previous podcasts. And with me, I'm joined by the wonderful, <laughs> the eclectic uh cassandra yeah i'm back again you might also know me from previous podcasts um yeah i think this is going to be more banter heavy as an episode but also joining us we have yet again uh mouse uh frequent uh frequent caller uh frequent listener (laughs) (laughs) i might be uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be uh, one of our main listeners, to be honest, on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Going back over it and being like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe that's gone in." Oh, jeez, <laughs> is that what I sound like? God, this is terrible. <laughs> no, definitely, someone just hijacked it, re-up, up, downloaded it, got rid of it, re-uploaded it with them pretending to be you. You sound oh, different. Nice. Ah, well. (laughs) Your voice is beautiful. That's good. That's good to hear. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I guess uh, we've been been kind of uh, trying a new thing where we kind of uh, talk about our land project at the beginning of our podcast. And Eleanor made a very good point. But this is... (laughs) What what is the land project? (laughs) Yeah, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you might not uh, know that we are actually a cooperative called the Affinity Collective, which are looking to purchase a plot of land um, that we have a sale agreed on in Cavan at the minute. Um, This project would kind of involve bringing elements of a housing cooperative into it, but also elements of like a social center. It's not defined as a housing co-op, nor anything else. Um, We're looking forward to be involved in like rewilding projects, permaculture projects, general food growing, as well as uh, DIY space for recording, uh, everything under the sun, any dreams that people can bring to the project, they're willing to give it a shot. It's kind of like an open free space that we can also all live in as a big anarchist collective. But isn't it's it? Gonna, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Isn't it hard to get land? How did we stumble yes. across land? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there is willing, wanting to try it, just don't. No, I, I kid. I kid. Um, you can actually email the collective at affinitycollective at protonmail.com. If you want to learn more or like read our constitution, which you know took a long time to get together, a long time to be approved, all that stuff, but it's possible. Dreams are possible. They can just be a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we we dreams are a pain we've in the been, ass. We've Eleanor, been swearing 2020. On this. We're marked as explicit. Uh, you can you can a hundred percent say whatever you want. Um, yeah, I I mean it is a pain in the hole, but to be honest, like. It, it's kind of positive as well because we're none of us are formally trained and we managed to do it as you know a collective of ragtag friends and punks and 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 the like so you know if we can do it anyone can do it um solar so punks. it is <laughs> solar punks, solar punks. <laughs> um 
Which is it, which is like super exciting. I, I guess kind of in the process uh, where we're at now, we're still kind of like working out uh, the, the whole uh, sales thing. Uh, we have a solicitor because, you know, that's, that's a part of this process. And our solicitor is going over the contracts of sale. So that's taking longer than I expected, but I'm learning to expect that everything takes longer than expected. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. Two years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we've we've been we've been gone a while. Yeah, and there's like some sort of a cow that occupies the land <laughs> that we're potentially gonna have a feud with. No, there's there's a, 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 a cow root that um, I believe some local farmers um, use to like take their cows through. I think if, 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 if talking, I understand correctly. If we're talking about the right of way part of the contract, yes. I, I don't I don't think that describes it accurately at all. Um, <laughs> okay, just, well, yeah. One one of the things we're kind of struggling on at the minute is there was a right of way uh, in the contract that none of us had kind of really expected to be in there so we're trying to work out what that is and whether or not yeah people will be herding cows to our project um <laughs> which would be less than ideal um to be honest i mean i think it would be like when we when we do have uh when we get to a point where we've like started to rebuild the forest or to make a forest there having like I don't know. Can cows walk single line? Walk in single line through a forest? Yeah, they can. Well, maybe <laughs> there's going to be a solution. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're also prone to running off. What with being, uh, what with yeah. wanting freedom, like uh, like us all. Like <laughs> us all, yeah, indeed. Are we going to pioneer bringing back the wild cow on the land project? Is that what I'm hearing? The wild cow. <laughs> The cow when is a domestic animal. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there such a thing in this world as a wild cow? I mean, there could I believe be. we could rewild them and train them to to be free. <laughs> I don't think we train them be to be wild. We can, yeah. <laughs> How do you undomesticate a cow? Uh, I believe I mean, they're I evolved from like an animal called an outer rock, which I, I don't think is around anymore. Um, well, no, I could, I could be wrong about this, but uh, cows have been domesticated for for a long time. Uh, yeah, thousands of years. So yeah, if you could, if we just let them be, then you know, just stopped interfering, then maybe it would work. It's like if you let dogs just go wild, would they eventually evolve back into wolves? It's like that. But I with doubt the it. It might take a few millennia. <laughs> no. A, a, a <laughs> well, given how evolution possible. operates. Given how evolution operates, both cows and dogs would probably evolve into crabs eventually. <laughs> Given enough time. Not something new. Given enough it would time. just be crabs again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, 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 yeah. we're joined by our resident biologists. <laughs> I say, we are honoured to be joined by like, the resident ecologist, biologist, evolutionary <laughs> Crabologists. <laughs> We're all crabs. <laughs> you peel back the surface and it's just crabs all the way down. <laughs> uh, definitely. That well, that... quick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh... I guess, look, we're all uh, loopy on the huge amount of freedom we've won back now with the uh, lockdown kind of being lifted oh, a little Jesus, bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can 
go to the perimeter of Dublin, I feel so yeah, yeah. Great. You can go twenty kilometers from your house and laugh, laugh at the victory you have achieved over the virus. I can buy nine euros worth of starchy foods once they have been declared substantial by the Irish government while I drink a libation inside of an establishment. I mean, that's just, if that's not freedom, I don't know what it is. Jesus. Definitely. I I guess that was a pretty poor uptake on where we're at with the land, but to be honest, not not a lot has changed from last week. Um, It is just a lengthy process. Um, We are trying to mix up the podcast a little bit by introducing kind of segments here and there give it a bit more structure um we're still kind of deciding kind of what we want to do maybe what people out there want to hear so if you do have any suggestions again our email is affinity collective at protonmail.com like shoot us an email if you're like oh it'd be really great for you to do this um but one thing we're trying to bring in is uh the solidarity satsuma um, which is just giving a shout out to all the people doing uh, doing amazing work kind of around around the world and just l- letting them know that that a, a couple of hippies in Ireland support them. <laughs> all right, what's on the yeah. Satsuma today, Miss and Cass? Well, one one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, the Anarchist Black Cross Federation have done a call out for fundraising at the minute um, and maybe people haven't heard of them but they do amazing work. Um, they are a prisoner support federation, they're around the world in different cells, um, I think the most active in the US but they, they are global. Um, so what they do is they will provide kind of like um, money into people's commissary for political prisoners uh, as well as supporting campaigns to to release them, uh, release funds, stuff like that. Some of them often uh, offer like book services for prisoners who have been arrested as well as helping them um, kind of get back on their feet once they're released. Um, each cell operates independently, so it works a little bit differently, um, but the general focus is just on prisoner support, um, mostly for people who have been arrested um, doing stuff towards kind of like fervoring anarchism. Um, it also helps support some people in the US who have been associated or members of the Black Panther Party or the kind of like Black Liberation Movement there. Um, they're generally really good people. They have a website, abcf.net. If you can spare any money, uh, I know they'd really appreciate it. It all goes directly into kind of helping prisoners. So, yeah, I wanted to give them a shout out. That sounds like it's it's amazing. Yeah, like I hadn't heard of them until you brought this to my attention just like an hour ago. Um, but like they are truly global like uh, looking at like what I could find on Twitter um, which is probably only a small fraction of the actual uh, federations that exist but like there seem to be all over Europe and America so yeah seem very well networked yeah so maybe we could repeat the website and name where people could find them and then also put these kind of things from the Solidarity Satsuma on our Twitter 
um, for maximum reach because what they're doing is is truly incredible, you know. And what these movements do is like fill the gaps that conventional society don't fill, and the people that people have, the people that society has left behind. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We should we 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 can we can put in a link in the podcast description as well. Um, but um, yeah, there used to be an ABC Dublin. So A B C D, which is you know satisfying in many ways, but I, I don't I, I I don't think they're active at the moment. Um, but definitely they are around Europe, around the U S, Latin America. I know have uh, kind of like active groups. Um, yeah, they they are they do really important thing. A lot of activists, a lot of freedom fighters do get arrested in the struggle for kind of like a more egalitarian world. Um, and are mishandled by the system and being able to offer support for them in any way possible is amazingly positive. They also do a lot of letter writing. Um, If you are interested in uh, supporting political prisoners um, in the form of just writing to them, um, there's a whole list of people that independent ABC uh, organizations will uh, have. and they'll have addresses and how you can write to them. Obviously, there are certain things you you can put in and certain things you shouldn't put in. Um, Try to just offer support. Uh, Try not to mention uh, too many political things that could get them into trouble. Um, But it it can really help people get through kind of like a long sentence or any sentence, um, knowing that there are people out there who care about what they've done. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, if you can imagine being like, you know, uh, imprisoned by the state like that and just like uh, any voice of support is going to be appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing more important than community and connection in like so many different movements that I've been a part of or heard of. It's like the opposite is not or the opposite of and then insert some kind of an issue. is not and then like what might be a typical antidote to that solution it is connection i don't know if that <laughs> that was very clear but let's think in like the context of addiction it's like the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it is connection um yeah it's just... the, yeah the opposite of alienation <laughs> is definitely connection <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for sure right. i mean there's 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 loads of cool stuff happening as well. I mean we've been uh, we've been we were particularly negative on what's happening in France recently, but uh, I just did get some good news out of there. There is a new collective set up called the Collective Solidarités Cousay, which I'm butchering. I don't speak French. I'm sorry. Uh, I think you're doing. <laughs> I think you're doing you amazing. Just let work. the funky music do the talking, yeah. Even though I, I even though I've butchered your name, so so they're a collective that's recently formed, kind of in the Lyon region of southern France, um, and they've occupied a building, so they've squatted a building um, to just offer resources to their community, be it housing, uh, be it food, be it uh, just a place to to be able to exist in. Um, really, really positive thing going on there. Um, like, absolutely shout out solidarity support. I think this is, we need to see more of this kind of happening in the world of people taking direct action who don't necessarily have the resources to do things even legitimately and still find a way to support people in their community, you know? Yeah, totally. 
Um, yeah, on, on the topic of, well, I, I actually just saw it like several weeks ago, but it just popped into my head of just like really sim- loads of simple direct action things I saw. I'd never heard of a community fridge before, probably because we don't have them in Ireland, but I saw one in Portland eight, like years ago and I just kind of forgot about it, but they're popping up all over the States now where it's just like these beautifully fucking... Uh, the, the iris on them is always a whopper, but it's just like free food. And it's just people, they've gotten a fridge, plugged it into like the exterior of like a supermarket. So they're just like, well, electricity, a fridge can go there. Boop. And then someone mm. else will well, like, America's fridge. having some serious problems with, oh, yeah. Well, America's having some serious problem with like hunger at the Full moment. Stuff. So yeah, more, more community fridges in America, please. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't know if fridges is, is the, the ultimate solution, but it is a really great thing that's happening. And people are, seeing other people do and they're like oh fuck that's so easy to do i want to do that and then also like huge pantries that are being built next to it and uh then like little kind of gorilla community gardens are like springing up next to it and i'm like oh these areas are just going to expand and expand and expand until we have the walmart autonomous zone (laughs) 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 where the car park just becomes an allotment and there's tree houses and trees and it's people loving each other and jeff bezos in a cage (laughs) (laughs) that's the dream freedom for everyone except Jeff Bezos (laughs) nice I like this my uh, my moral stuff no I just until most cages are empty (laughs) on the topic of allotments actually I was saying to Castle Mouse that uh, I don't have the full the full deets but I heard that in Poland which we were were talking about Poland a a few weeks ago which was having a really really hard time in terms of people fighting to make sure that people's right to bodily autonomy in terms of abortion was not revoked. So the Polish government wanted to introduce a bill, a bill, or they just wanted to amend the current abortion laws, which would mean that you could only get an abortion if there was a severe fetal abnormality. No, it's even in cases of that. Yeah, so it's like it's it's a blanket ban. It's a blanket ban on all abortions under unless all circumstances. It's, unless it's, I think, threatening the mother's life in the in the severe, which is like the most extreme case. So they're like, I believe, I believe that was the one case where there. So they were like, oh, we're not technically banning abortion, but like, yeah, you know. yeah, of course. I mean, that's yeah. that's basically that. And I think, yeah, we we were talking that it's so important to to just always keep an eye on these things. Like you can never take like. Pr- uh, progressiveness or some kind of progression for granted you know like even in Ireland I'll still sometimes see like even in Ireland where we're so progressive no I'll still see like I'll see see posters popping up that's like save the babies or stuff of that lore you know and they're like brand new and I'm like somewhere some in some place in Ireland there's there's movements springing up and they'll only gain more followers over time um that are working to you know make abortion illegal in Ireland again you're seeing you saw that happen in the states with it being rolled back anyway this is going to be about Poland and how <laughs> allotments um allotment news so there is a place called the Rosbrat squat and a place called Poznan I don't know how to pronounce that Poznan Poznan um and anarchists from that squash together with other groups uh successfully stopped the eviction of some community gardens and allotments there so they're they're part of what's called the city's green belt love that phrase 
and they've been used since the 50s. Um, the land previously belonged to some state treasury, and then in the 90s, there was some sort of shady business with developers. So surprising, that never happens. <laughs> Especially not with the collapse of the USSR. <laughs> yeah, shady yeah, developers was... taking over all of that state property. What a surprise. <laughs> um, so, I, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> shady business and then it just sort of I guess was in like this state of staticness where nothing was happening so it over time became like an allotment community garden amazing buzz and um, over the years um, I guess the state tried to reclaim the land and then someone was trying to develop on it um, and then its monetary value was super increased despite, you know, the social value and emotional value, like far superseding that. Um, so since the 50s, so that's like, what, nearly 60 years. And they uh, they just sort of arrived there with loads of police and tried to evict all of these allotment holders. And uh, it was a ship was and they were like, we're going to fine you. We're going to fine you and arrest you. Uh, but the fight kept happening and an attempted eviction happened yesterday and it uh, failed and like loads of anarchists came, loads of environmental groups came, tenants groups and the people who actually own the allotments themselves and yeah, just stopped the police from accessing the land and there was a big uh, standoff and then the police uh, gave up. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And, and love, it it when the, love it when the police give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you just you just have to make it not worth it for them. I think like you know it, it has to be a struggle of like we're gonna do this and it's not worth your time to to put in the resources for stuff like this, you know. And like all of that stuff helps. Like all of that stuff helps in the immediate in that it is practical. It improves people's lives. It builds communities. But it also helps us imagine a world which is just a little bit better than the one we're living in now. Like how we can um, live more interconnected with one another in a more thoughtful and caring way, you know? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. The world is so shit, but there's loads of magic everywhere, like really. And it's you're saying it's good in the in the short term you know for like immediate action but also in the long term because it's little things like that 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 could really change someone's mind about whether or not humanity has any hope at all you know like i've seen flowers grown in unusual places and it's really changed my mood from like uh everything is really uh, terrible (laughs) to ah would you look at that everything's gonna be okay there's good people planting flowers in strange places without permission and i love it even even beyond the the kind of like individual though i think like like stuff like this um kind of the collective that's just been set up nearly on um all of this kind of stuff it it kind of shows how people do operate i mean more people would have heard of kind of the capitol hill squat in seattle the chairs and stuff and how people did function without the police like how people have created their own community with their own rules that that doesn't buy into what we've all been told is the only way that society can run it's kind of this collective awakening that i think is is really important and that we should all understand like each time one of these autonomous spaces is created even if it's temporary it does open up people's minds to the possibility of a new way of life 
you know, um, being involved in quite a lot of temporary autonomous zones, I really see the value in like how people learn to get on with one another, how collective decision making occurs, you know, how problems are dealt with in a more kind and fair way than kind of the society that we have been taught is the only way that things Yeah, it's very true. Um, like, people are, uh, like, I say this a lot, but people's minds are very colonized and they think that things have to be a certain way and, like, there's only one way of doing things and that's the way that it's done now. And it's only really after, like, like that really only gets blown apart by the people who are out there doing it differently. And yeah, I'm I'm so huge big up huge solidarity to the people of um of um this uh community garden in Poland uh, who are like fighting back and reclaiming that's or keeping that space as like a community space. Yeah, a hundred a hundred percent. I the the one other thing I think we wanted to show our solidarity for, and I could be mistaken. Maybe people have other things, um, but. The biggest news is there's massive protests happening in India at the moment. Um, so a bit of context for this, in case people aren't following the news. Um, the government has, I, th I think it's passed, basically a bill that uh, removes kind of a minimum pricing for agricultural produce. So before, agricultural produce was a very controlled market in India, and they want to rail that in to kind of like uh, open it up in their words, open it up to the private sector. Um, this obviously affects people in a really negative way um, because it becomes a race to the bottom. This kind of free market capitalism has devastating effects on people's lives because people will be forced to undersell each other. It plays into the hands of big business and monopolies um, and people can see that and are saying we don't have, like, we've had enough, we can't stand for this and they're going out onto the street and saying no more. Um, now these are like, I don't know if people know kind of how India's economy is organized but almost half of India's population is involved in the agricultural sector, um, which is about 600 million people, um, which is, I, I think, somewhere around that. I could actually be underestimating a little bit, but it's a lot of people work in agriculture, and these people's lives are being threatened by this new bill coming in, and that's why we're seeing these protests, and it is important to understand that and to have solidarity and show your support for these people who want to be able to make a living um, in the world, you know, and that's being threatened by the government right now. Yeah, it's really enraging to see, like, just further, like, corporate encroachment on lives that are already difficult. I can't imagine how overwhelming that is in a in a place where that's being like ravaged by coronavirus and already deals with so much poverty and bullshit sometimes at the hands of like our part of the world and I and I heard as well with this issue it's the police had used like tear gas and cannons against marching farmers who'd ripped up highways to wow and they ripped up highways to stop tractors and protesters moving forward but there's one good thing right one good thing that I've heard which is that the Delhi government denied permission to the police who wanted to, they wanted to convert nine stadiums into temporary jails 
specifically for farmers. Oh, but, my God. But the good thing, the Delhi government were like, no police. Like, fuck off. Farmers are not criminals. So that is one one positive from this. But I didn't know that this has been going on for months. So this is really news to me. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like an, an ongoing thing. Because, um, like, the, the Narendra Modi government has been... Uh, trying to open up a lot of India to like the free market, um, and there's been there's been protests before. This is the second time uh, that like India has broken the record for like biggest protest in the world ever, uh, and it's all been under the um, under the government of Narendra Modi, which, which should tell you everything you need to know. Doing a good um, job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really hope that, like, this uh, protest movement can be sustained and that these laws can be rolled back and that, um, you know, um, these farmers can secure a future for themselves and for the people of India as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean like, India is such a huge agricultural and, and industrial kind of nation at the minute. You know, it produces a lot of things. Um, and seeing these things kind of reeled back in the face of neoliberal capitalism is just scary. But to see the bite back from that is, is, is not only kind of like uplifting in some ways to, to see people that are fighting back, it also is just like, it's, it's so important. Like these people understand the importance of this. Like this is like like an awakened conscious of of sorts you know like I, I feel like a lot of people in Ireland will give shit and complain but like this is what actually does change government's minds or one of the ways in which government's minds can be changed and one of the ways in which a mass of people can fight against kind of like neoliberal reform you know yeah I mean I think um a good a good um analogous or example might be the the water movement or the anti-water charges movement that happened here where there was a, a mass movement of like people from all stretches of life in this country to prevent uh the finnegale government finnegale labor at the time to uh from privatizing the water system basically um, and it was a sustained, um, a large sustained movement that managed to push the government into a corner and prevent uh, water charges from actually happening and the privatization of the water system from going ahead. Now, I mean, there's still the threat that that's, you know, this government that we have currently uh, might still do that or might try again uh, to push push ahead with some kind of water charges. But like for best part of five six years now um the the people have won in terms of like fighting back against this so it's like it it, again it does show you that you can win uh when you have like uh, uh, um the mass of people behind you and these small victories add up you know like like you know like the like these are the things that actually affect people's lives in the here and now like Obviously, I'd be calling for the abolishment of capitalism, personally. But, like, you know, like, like in the here and now, practical solutions are practical problems. These are practical solutions, you know. And, and this is what really kind of draws me to, to kind of anarchism, is this idea of not waiting for a day when everything changes, but actually trying to have a real-world effect 
uh, or a real life effect in the world at the moment like like what are what are the problems we're facing and how do we move towards a better world not in one grand gesture but in the steps that we need to not only create that but sustain it you know um and yeah like absolutely mad props to to the indian people um yeah like i i hope they are successful yeah <laughs> yeah you're right about the small victories as well like you can't just be sitting on the ground or sofa wherever you sit and be like oh i'm capitalism stop <laughs> it's such a complicated huge monster with so many tendrils in everything and you can't even chop off a tendril all at once sometimes it's like Okay, this is a. I don't know if this is a good metaphor. Yeah. It's like just you know, the it's, capitalism it's a really good way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, a do do decapus, and it's funny that you should talk about the Irish water thing. And back to like earlier, when we were saying that you can really never take like democracy for granted. You know, it's something like Irish water. There's been repeated attempts to privatize Irish water, and also what came out after that movement, which was mad. Also, for anyone who's listening who wasn't in Ireland, it was such a good buzz. People started coming out with like giant paper mache salmon, and like that was to represent these old Irish like mythical tales, like the salmon of knowledge. And they were like then like loads of people who were really passionate about a united Ireland were like, well, this is not the Ireland that we fought for. Look at you, Finnegal, you absolute bollocks. Look, this is not the free Ireland your ancestors fought for you. You're trying to feck over like the, the common person. And then, yeah, you know, people who are struggling to get by were like, are you seriously going to charge us for water? Like, are you actually serious? And it was so important because there was a property tax introduced, like, I think before yeah, that. Yeah, a couple I, years before. Yeah, yeah a couple years was, before that. I really didn't understand that. I was, like, so confused as to why, like, uh, you know, the grown-ups who had property, like, didn't fight enough against it. And people were like, oh, it just, you know, we, we got exhausted. And then, you know, that's just, that's just what happened. And, you know, it's only a, it's, it's only a few pesos a, a month. Like, it's grand. But it's not really grand. Because then afterwards, it's like, oh, what else can we charge them for? Yeah. Well, like, I think part of the reason why there wasn't uh, a pushback against the, um, against the, like, the property tax thing was because like out the back of like the 2008 recession there was like like there was a lot of austerity politics going on and like it was it was held as um you know uh you know it was economically considered like ludicrous to be against the idea of austerity it was like well the entire iris has fallen out of the world economy so we have to you know quote unquote tighten our belts and we have to like you know um we all have to like everybody's gonna have to live on a shoestring except of course for the multi-millionaires who own everything and the billionaires who own everything they don't have to fucking do anything to curtail their spending and their fucking uh, their accumulation of wealth uh but everyone else has to fucking cut down to a shoestring and live on nothing um and like this was the like the accept the accepted orthodoxy and i think that kind of really started to break down around the the time they tried to bring in water charges Sorry, I, on this now, I think we're, we're probably moving uh, more and more out of the uh, solidarity, solidarity Satsuma uh, onto something that I wanted to talk about, which is kind of like, you know, a big part of our project is we want to build something which is not only good for us in the direct sense, but also a project which can be applied as a model for kind of improving the world around us. Like, do we want to talk about more, like, 
the effects of, of what we see as moving towards like a better system for Ireland, possibly the world, you know, like, like there's a lot of people out there with a lot of good ideas. Um, and, and I think we're naturally kind of going into that direction, but just to keep people up to speed. Um, yeah, that sounds great. What do you think about the um, native Irish tree segment <laughs> leading into <laughs> the land? Anyone? Would people be into that? Do you have a tree prepared for if us? If I knew enough. Yes, it's tree treerific, right? The uh, tree of the week. <laughs> tree of the week, yeah, right. So we had this idea for segments and some a part of what we want to do on the land is reforestation or afforestation, the latter being planting like native forests where there actually haven't been um, any before that. So I had an idea that that we could introduce like a different Irish tree every week. Um, and this one, I guess you can start with the tree that everyone knows. It's your neighborhood friend, the old, the wise oak tree. I really like oaks because they're massive and deadly. Uh, the Irish for oak tree is dare. And there's lots of like they're just so swamped with so much lore and stories and in Ireland there's a tree called the Brineboro oak tree and it's stated to be the oldest oak tree in Ireland and they say that it was alive during all of these battles and the things that it's seen and people I live I, I grew up quite close to that oak tree <laughs> no way I touched yeah. it once that's amazing that's why you're so magical <laughs> <laughs> it's in it's in it's in East Clare it's in Brineboro's for uh yeah it's it's maybe like a maybe like a half hour drive from where I grew up. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a, yeah, definitely. It's quite a vibe to behold. But uh, as I think Macy might have mentioned on one of our first podcasts, but like Ireland used to just be absolutely cloaked in forest. Um, and they were like largely oak and elm um, and apparently reached a peak, but like, I don't know, so many thousand years BC. And there was just this big, deadly forest full of animals and birds and plants. Um, but then after, like, I guess, human settlement, it became like an open, grassy and almost treeless by comparison space. And then... Well, I, I think a lot of it was actually British colonialism because oak... <laughs> they makes... needed a fleece. They needed yeah, a fleece, oak, you know. Oak, 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 oak makes a very good um, wood for ships, and the British Navy was quite famous, um, and a lot of that oak actually came from Ireland. So after Ireland was colonised by the English, um, a lot of our oaks actually went into building ships that wreaked havoc around the world, which is a really sad thing to, to think about, you know. Um, the damage that the British Empire has done to the world is horrific, and... You know, it, it 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 is it is such a cruel and sick joke that it was Irish trees that 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 were kind of used um, in that process. You know, uh, I think we should have a podcast just on that and about Oliver Cromwell and how much an absolute shite. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute shite bag he was. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, the spirit of the Irish oak will will work its magic it's just taken a long time <laughs> taken a long time but yeah you're right it is it is a cruel sick joke that that's the case um and that's why we have to rebuild the oak forest 
and use it to create ships that bring good. Oh no, I sound like. Or just leave them be. <laughs> just leave them be. Let them let them be trees. You know. No, I forget that. Yeah. Like, that's the last thing I want to do is cut down an oak tree. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> um, pre- pre-existing. Think creates. of the power. <laughs> uh, we could have we could have enough fleets to take over the entirety of Europe. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess to finish up the old oak segment because I have so many stories I could go on for a while. But there's still there's still like areas in Ireland that do have. Um, like oak forest, like Cecil Oak Forest, and there's three that I know of, and one's in Killarney. If anyone's ever been to the national park, Killarney and Kerry, it's just beyond beautiful. It's 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 just it's so gorgeous. Another one is Glen of the Downs in Wicklow, which like I think about twenty twenty or thirty years ago, one of my mates was involved in a movement that involved just camping out in trees for months to stop the destruction of the forest there. Um, and they were successful in stopping the Glen of the Downs being chopped down, uh, so he says, which is great. And then the last one I know of is Glen Bay National Park in Donegal, which is just, again, absolutely stunning and fantastic. And it's just great to know that these places are national parks. They have a protected status and uh, it uh, makes me feel that they're a little bit safer than <laughs> other forests from the 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 encroaching tree line. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think some county councils are pretty complicit with the old tree felling. There's definitely a lot of complicity going on um, with regards to, uh, you know, these logging companies. Definitely, um, definitely, though, if you feel like making a difference in 200 years, planting an oak is... Uh, one of the best one of the best one of the best things you can do if anyone's listening and is like that's real sad like go out there and plant an oak um because Ireland needs it um it used to be covered in them and there's so few these days and and to be honest like that's that's heartbreaking um so thank you very much for introducing that little segment Eleanor I think that's that that's really nice just to show some appreciation for the mighty oak <laughs> the best time to plant a tree was 200 years ago the second best time <laughs> is right now so stop now. listening to yeah. this podcast Go get yeah. <laughs> what are you doing in here on your technology go out there and plant an oak like, stop sharing memes about trees and go <laughs> <laughs> be the tree you want to see in the world <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. And maybe we could close out the segment with the, the sound, the gentle sound of an oak blowing in the, the breeze. <laughs> maybe we can question. edit that in. <laughs> yeah. There's one kind of tree Crack. that has 50 kinds of lichen growing on it in, I don't know where it is, but 50 kinds, isn't that mad? And there's apparently like 230 kinds of worms in the soil like just all the native species that are supposed to be there there it's so diverse like it's literally teeming it's teeming and what would earth look like if we all just vanished you know these little little beings would just come back and be like and it would be such a biodiversity party definitely yeah well thanks again eleanor i think that's that's really special to talk about um Moving on, uh, I think I, I mentioned it before, but it'd be nice to kind of talk about uh, our view of how 
kind of like how Ireland and perhaps the rest of the world can do better by kind of introducing um, better ways of organizing uh, land use, better ways of organizing work. You know, like, what are our kind of, like, dreams for the future? Like, you know, if, if, if everything just ballooned and someone ran up to us and was like, Affinity Collective, you're our only hope. How do we fix Ireland? Like, what, 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 what do we think would be kind of the best, the best approach we could do, you know? First decree. No <laughs> 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 more, more rich people and poor people. <laughs> there will only be one kind. There will be one class of people. No more roads. No. Make food forests. You know, we don't to pedestrianize all the cities for sure, and just have this deadly public transit system that goes around the edge that runs on solar and wind. Um, I mean, it would be so easy to do. It I would know. be so easy to do. Like the money. Like there. I mean, the money is like the money can like it doesn't like. Money doesn't matter. Like money, money doesn't matter. It doesn't That's matter. Like you make, you, it's made up. It's made up. It's made up. Okay. So all you do is you just spend the money, and then it's done. And then it's like, oh, you'll yeah. It doesn't exist. You just, you know, you just pay a little bit back to whatever imaginary organization you got the money from, or you can just make it out of whole cloth. Now it's it's harder, I think, with being in the eurozone or in europe because uh you know we can't print our own fiat currency anymore like only only you know europe can do that so we can't make money ourselves anymore so that does limit us uh, as a country but like money is really no object and like it's only really it's become painfully clear i think uh, during the pandemic that money isn't real <laughs> yeah uh, i i I this is something that I often kind of talk about is kind of like the illusionary nature of money and how people think it's required for something but it's like when you strip it back it, it it's really not it's an arbitrary number that's that that's attached to something like if you've got the materials if you've got the metal if you've got if you've got the wood if you've got the the materials needed to make something like money is an unnecessary component to that like, like we we are lost in this illusion that kind of money makes the world go round, and we've kind of forgotten, kind of the facts that it's like if you actually have enough people, the people power and the materials to build something, you can just build it. You know, um, there's two systems that I I I, I kind of wanted to are two kind of. A, examples of kind of like ways that I, I think would be a good movement towards kind of like a better a better Ireland and and a kind of a better world um, and maybe people would want to talk about more I don't know if it's a little out there but one of them is democratic confederalism it, it's something I, it's something I'm really passionate about and and it's something that I think a lot of people haven't heard of necessarily um, and the other thing uh, one of my friends has gotten very into uh, Nestor Magno, who was an anarchist from back in the day, and kind of the way that uh, he went around kind of like helping people uh, rearrange kind of property is really interesting. And I don't know if people would be willing to indulge me a bit talking about these topics. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would have I would have a lot to say about uh, democratic confederalism because um, I spent most of like. I don't know, 2019 or, t well, 2018 even, uh, 
uh, fangirling, yeah, yeah. Uh, just absolutely fangirling over, uh, you know, Abdullah Ocalan and the whole Rojava thing and, like, everything that they achieved through democratic confederalism. Um, do we want to give some context for this? Because, like I said, I, a lot okay. of people I talk to haven't heard about. I think it's not a very well-known system. It's not a very well-known system because it, it, it is very new. It's really quite new, actually. Um, uh, and and uh, Rojava is really the kind of first real implementation of it. And, you know, there's been some limitations there and some problems and stuff. But uh, overall, it's it's been remarkable project that like i think needs our solidarity i think still um, yeah definitely um so so sorry ellen you're going oh no i was just gonna encourage y'all talking about it so i was gonna say please please someone help me i'm being chased and the only way to get it to stop is to give a really detailed description <laughs> so I, I think for context you have to kind of understand what Rojava is um, and how it kind of came about um, so Rojava is actually a autonomous region of Syria it's the Kurdistan part of Syria um, that during kind of the Syrian uh, civil war is, is that the right terminology to use well, in that context it was a war it was Syria. a it was a civil war that ballooned into an imperialist shit show um, that basically turned the entirety of Syria into an imperialist playground um, that destroyed many cities and countless lives, um, hundreds of thousands of lives uh, lost, and um, birthed all kinds of monsters like ISIS um, and uh, similar groups that are still actually around um and uh yeah um uh, there was the kind of it was the kind of part of like because like the, the the kurdish uh kurds have never had a state but um there's been kurd there's kurdish re- regions in multiple in like many of the states around there so there's a uh, uh the part in syria i believe is called west kurdistan um and uh there's also some in northern iraq and in some of the southern parts of Turkey. And this is kind of like the, the kind of mountainous region up there is kind of like, uh, that's kind of like where, where the Turks, or the, the Turks, the fucking Kurds, um, uh, the Kurds call home. Um, yeah, no, no, I think another important context for this is uh, Kurdistan has never been a country, uh, mainly for the reason that there's oil in the territory. So although it's a very distinct ethnic group in the Middle East, um, a lot of countries that uh, that have occupied Kurd territory um, don't want Kurdistan to exist because it's where they draw a lot of their um, crude oil from. Just for a historical context. But anyway, there, 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 there was a, a, a Kurdish um, freedom fighter party um, called the PKK, um, and they, uh, they were traditionally a Marxist party, um, but their leader, Abdullah Ocalan, um, was heavily influenced by the work of Murray Bookchin, I believe, yep. um, who was, uh, 
I don't know, a Marxist or an anarchist. It depends at what stage of his life. He flip-flops a lot. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah. Yes. We could talk a lot yeah. about Murray Bookchin. I've also been heavily influenced by Bookchin. Um, but yeah, Bookchin started his life as, an, as a Marxist and then gradually became more of an anarchist over time. And then I think he died like, a Marxist, though. <laughs> I mean, kind of. I think. Kind he, of. I, I think he. Well, he disavowed uh, a lot of like what he called like lifestyle anarchism, which was like uh, very like uh, very kind of individualist kind of anarchism that kind of came out of the nineties. I mean, the nineties was a weird time, right? And it was a very bad time politically for the left. So you know, anarchism kind of had a lot of problems in the 90s oh okay i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) slow you down as someone who's often called the lifestyle anarchist uh i i do think there's a lot of merits to it i do think there is an individualist streak which which can be problematic within kind of like anarchist communities but um anarchists have often gotten a lot of uh shtick from kind of like leftist groups uh unnecessarily i think um a lot of people criticize, um, and I, I put in quotes, lifestyle anarchists, but, you know, it, a lot of the times, um, lifestyle anarchists are the ones out on the street actually helping people. Um, and it, it, it is a break away from kind of the dusty tomes of theory into actually just uh, practically doing stuff in the world, um, which I, you know, there, there are definitely problematic streaks throughout it, but... The criticisms of them, I think, are often quite unfair. Okay. Well, um, not <laughs> to get, not like to cow. get, not to get, not to get too far off course here. Um, let's try and stick to the topic, which is the PKK and Abdullah Ocalan. Um But yeah, you, if you want to continue on. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Abdullah Ocalan was the was the the leader of the party. He became quite influenced by Murray Bookchin and kind of broke away from traditionalist kind of um, Marxist texts, which we would kind of know largely as like the USSR, like uh, Maoism, kind of um, what Cuba has kind of done, and and these ideas of kind of a very centralized state um, which, which is often coined as like the dictatorship of the proletariat into a more kind of um, uh, a more kind of like bottom-up system um, which is called democratic confederalism um, and the idea behind it is it's basically a, a society based on sociocracy so it's this idea that that communities can organize and make decisions for themselves on the ground level and only when something affects a much larger area uh, is it brought to kind of like um, very temporary forms of government within those areas itself. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's like layers of governmental organizations that are all actually like accountable to basically everyone at the bottom. So it's like you have uh, confederations of groups that are made up of like smaller groups that are accountable to the communities that they come from. And everyone's elected. Uh, all the representatives are elected. And most importantly, they are like immediately recallable. So like if your representative doesn't actually fall in line with, what, with something that has been democratically decided, uh, the group uh, can withdraw that representative and elect another representative at any time uh, in order to see that the will of the majority is actually uh, enacted upon. 
and that uh, democracy is insured, basically. And it seems to be a very good system. But I think one thing that you um, didn't uh, mention there is just that, like, um, uh, Abdullah Ocalan basically formulated this entire thing from a prison cell in Turkey. Yeah. Where he's been living in fucking isolation for, what, like, 20 years now? Nearly? Yeah. It's probably the most maximum security prison in the world. Uh, It is... It's insane the amount of... uh, The amount of, like like uh what do i what can i say the the amount of kind of like uh resources gone into yeah and obstacles kind of gone into like containing him because he is seen as such a threat to the turkish state um and they don't want to execute him because they fear he would be martyred so that's kind of that that is a bit of context on one of the most important political players probably in the world currently that a lot of people in the West haven't haven't heard of. Haven't even heard of. Yeah. And how did yeah. they, how did this like idea even get out of such a maximum security place? Was it through letters or? Ah, uh, yeah, he has lots and lots of prison writings. Ah. I mean, if um, I I, be, I believe that like they like under the UN law or some kind of UN law that they can't they can't forbid um his like. Uh, letters and writing and stuff from getting out eventually but like um it, it takes years it's taken absolutely years for his work to get out and even longer for it to end up being translated into uh, english and other languages um the, the the beauty of democratic confederalism though is it kind of takes the ideas of direct democracy which is kind of the will of the people but stops that being applied to such a centralized kind of like state so even a lot of people might be in, in favor of, of, of direct democracy systems, which would be like a referendum for, for most decisions made by the government. But on this scale, it's, it allows local communities to actually have more autonomy and power over, over those people directly than, than even a centralized direct democracy state could have. Um, it, it really does seem like an excellent way of moving um, away from kind of like liberal democracy, which is which is what we have kind of now in the West, and this idea of uh, elected representatives to a completely more democratic dis- uh, society in which people can make decisions that affect their lives. And like, if you are in, a, in any doubt as to like the power of this system, again, looking to Rajava will like. Yeah, it's being uh, enacted. So, yeah, it's being enacted. And what's more is it's being enacted in, like, wh- what is essentially, uh, like like I said, an imperialist playground where is, there is constant war and the threat of extreme violence from the likes of ISIS and uh, other um, far-right political players who are all armed <laughs> by the CIA, mostly, let's be fair. Um uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it, in this environment, it has managed to protect itself, sustain itself, and even grow over the years. I, I believe now things are a bit different because Turkey, like, um, because they, they relied kind of heavily on the U.S. to, like, protect them from um, basically Turkey coming in and destroying them. But, like, that's kind of what's happening at the moment, I believe. I haven't had an update on Rajava in a long time, but... Um, maybe mouse. Ah, 
I I also actually haven't haven't I'm not quite up to date with that. I haven't I haven't looked into it in a while. But I I guess you know keeping it on topic. I mean it's a system, and hopefully we'll survive even if the um, Rojava, the autonomous region, does uh, end up disappearing, which would be very sad. Um, but but as a system, I guess my question is. Um, how do we get democratic confederalism constitutionally enshrined in Ireland? <laughs> well, that's that's a doozy of a question right there. I mean, I, I, do, I do think we have a ways to go before I, I think that will happen because like I, I like I, I keep harping on about this, but like we are we, we do still have a very colonized mindset. And we still have six counties which are not uh, part of the state. So, like, we have a border down our country, you know. Um, so th- there's there's other problems, you know. Um, and I think that the, the contradictions uh, that um, are given rise to uh, by the existence of uh, and the state in the north have yet to be resolved. And I think that that kind of has to come to a conclusion before we can... Uh, kind of start to yeah move on uh, I think because we're, we're still like Ireland is still kind of trapped in the 20th century you know I mean I think that's fair to say I don't think anybody would come at me for saying that yeah I I, I, I agree with you on, on many levels um, I guess I'm just you know I see the system that we have at the minute in this country and the level of cor- corruption and and the amount of people who are fed up with how things are organized and run and the lack of voice that people actually have in the country um, so a movement towards a, a more uh, democratic system I think would be hugely beneficial yeah. you know yeah I was gonna like when you said, like, and how do we move Ireland to this, you know, demo, democratic confederacy? And I was thinking of, like, just a few a few ideas and then a couple of jokey ideas. But then I was just, like, honestly having, like, just harping on about this stuff in, in the pub to anyone who will listen as a, as a joke. And I was like, wait, that would actually work. It's having the chat. Like, <laughs> seriously, anyone who will listen. Because Not at the minute. The, the pubs are <laughs> just... <laughs> so phenomenal because like in you know our kind of circles where we be politically active this kind of rhetoric is easily you know it's very interesting and definitely more digestible to our ears but like those circles are are can be like disconnected from the wider society whose minds need to hear about this kind of stuff you know because otherwise it could be seen as a threat you know it's like oh geez all these all these humans with piercings and funny hair, they want to do something weird to the system, but it's, I mean, it's not. They're alternative lifestyles. It's not, God, stop. It's not great. These lifestyle anarchists. You know what I mean? It's like you have people and like change can be so terrifying to people, even though the system is so shite as it is and everyone knows how how corrupt the government is uh, more now more than ever in a long time, I think, but still the threat of change from something they don't know you know, it can be terrifying. They'll be like, oh, geez, I mean, Ireland, it's not great. It's not great, but it's not worse. It's a lot of punks running the country. That's way worse. But if, like, people it, are fed it, up... It wouldn't... 
it wouldn't be punks running the country. But that's like, how it like, could yeah, be perceived, this... like, you know what I mean? So mm. I feel like if people are fed up with the, the system in Ireland as it is, that's when you can kind of come in with a, have you heard of <laughs> democratic confederacy? And those kind of chats can be really powerful. But, but yeah, I, I, I guess it is, it is something to think about. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of people in Ireland would be in favour of a more democratic system. I guess it's like, it's like, how do you get people organised to the point where they can actually push for something which does grant people more autonomy, that does allow for kind of like local systems to take precedent, precedence over centralised systems. Um, because, you know, we live in a very Dublin-centric country. Like, a lot of people outside of Dublin do not like ha the way that the country is run and think that it is organized around a singular city, which, it, which it it's, is. It's actually disgusting. Like, I mean, speaking as a Dubliner born and bred, it's true. It's thoroughly disgusting. Like, uh, like uh, it really is. It's like these multinationals come here, they get their tax breaks, they pay nothing. And then all these hotels spring up around them. All the money that is generated from this just basically gets spent on uh, generating more capital for millionaires and billionaires and the country gets nothing uh, meanwhile you have like country roads go untended to uh infrastructure in the country is dilapidated and shut down and like resources are uh, like services and shit for the country uh, are, are getting thinned out and shut down uh, as more money is just funneled into dublin to this like capital making machine that dublin is it, it's grotesque yeah. it's absolutely grotesque it brings me to, to to tears sometimes for anyone who doesn't live in dublin or know uh like the company apple oh dublin oh ireland the irish government the irish people 13.6 billion euros worth of unpaid taxes and that's only one multinational corporation also ireland is a there's really amazing culture and music and stuff here, but Dublin in particular, we're seeing be completely eroded and decimated and just sort of becoming this monotone, monochrome place where our cultural institutions... Capitalism erodes culture. It's actually, but I mean, it's really, it's, it's tragic to see, you know, like a lot of, like, just like our venues, places to dance, places for music that really had soul, one of a kind, not a chain, are being shut down and replaced with, with hotels. And I actually just heard of it, three new places today because I was walking by them. We got Rira, the Globe, and one's gonna be a hotel and one's gonna be a retail outlet. And like, I'm a, I'm a sensitive person, so I was like, because <laughs> they're just gonna be empty derelict hotels that then sometimes house homeless people. So the government can make up stats about how they're dealing with the problem that they're not. Yeah, but but I mean, the solution to this to this mass centralization and this lack of industry also around the country, I think, could be resolved or 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 at least improved by a more decentralized system that allows people to focus on building industry in their own areas um, for their own needs but also in the interest of kind of like uh, creating the material things that we need to survive um, on a local basis like like having a purpose for life as well you know like like all of these things are so important like like the truth is, is that the rest of the country has just not been built up in the same way that Dublin has. You know, there are a lot of services in Dublin that j 
just aren't available to the rest of the country. So I think, you know, a lot of people around the country, especially outside of Dublin, would definitely be in favour of a system like this, you know? Um, the one other thing I wanted to talk about, because I know we're running on in time, is, um, is yeah, the, the alternative, which is, uh, which is Nestor Macno, who's a, who's a real, uh, a real interesting historical figure. He was a part of, uh, the Russian Revolution, uh, except he, uh, led a group of anarchists, mostly in Ukraine. He was, uh, from Ukrainian peasantry himself. Um, and he rode around and actually uh, burned deeds uh, and told people that the, that the land they were living on should be communalized and a lot of people followed him and managed to build something really beautiful in Ukraine for a period. Um, uh, and this kind of like model is really interesting as well, is like if you do have a community of people who can get together and say that we will decide among ourselves like illegitimately to organize in a certain way and kind of the benefits of that. Now Nestor Macno also played a big part in the Spanish um, Civil War um, where, where people uh, communalized land, factories, uh, everyone started to operate uh, in these communities without money. Uh, they just supported each other. Um, they shared what they had, and it really did create temporarily uh, an amazing picture of what the future could yeah. be. Well, I'm, I'm getting battery low messages from my headset, so it might be a good time to wrap up now that we've run on for an hour and ten minutes. Definitely. I'd like to revisit this topic maybe in the future, but I guess... It, this is a very expansive topic, so I'd be surprised if we didn't. Yeah, we, we've barely touched on things, but I guess I'd like to say thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you are listening to us on apps that aren't Podbean, I'm delighted. It means our RSS feed is finally working. Um, we're sending you out loads of love. Stay safe in the pandemic. Um, if you do want to contact us, our... Uh, email address is affinitycollective at protonmail.com. Our website is affinitycollective.info. Uh, find us, shoot us a message, ask us for a constitution if you want to do a project like ours uh, yourself or just interested. Um, wishing you all the best. Yeah, have, have a good one and stay safe, everybody. Yeah, definitely. Fight the power. Money is fake. Be your own government plant an oak tree today, right now. <laughs> if you're still listening, it means you ignored the previous instructions, which you're free to do, but we'd love if you did otherwise. <laughs> <laughs>